The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hello, thanks for joining me on Psych Up Live. I'm Suzanne Phillips, and today we're going to be talking about an important topic, miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. Miscarriages are more common than most people realize. They occur in as many as one in four women in their lifetime. Having had many patients share this experience and having been there myself, I will say that often miscarriages are the hidden losses that couples grieve together and sometimes come to fear together. We are so fortunate to have as our guest and expert, Dr. Laura Shane. Board certified physician in reproductive endocrinology and infertility, as well as a fellow in the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and a member of the American Society of Reproductive Medicine and many other professional organizations. Dr. Shaheen is affiliated with the Center for Recurrent Pregnancy Loss at Pacific Northwest Fertility. She is also the author of a new and very important book entitled Not Broken, An Approachable Guide to Miscarriage and Recurrent Pregnancy Loss. Dr. Laura Shaheen, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Suzanne. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Um, Dr. Shaheen, let's start out with this very interesting title, Not Broken. What meaning does that title have? You chose it for your book. Absolutely. Well, I have been caring for hundreds and thousands of couples who've had miscarriages for years and years, and I see a pattern. I see people coming to me feeling broken, um, especially the women. Um, it's a topic and a situation that's really surrounded with shame and guilt. And so quickly people want to blame themselves and they feel that their body is not working and it's broken. And um, it's such a common theme for me. Okay. So the the mission of this book, and I, I, one thing I wanted you to share on the cover of your book, it's it's a beautiful book. Maybe you can describe it and the meaning of that picture on the Absolutely. cover. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for pointing it out. So the cover of the book has a ceramic bowl um, and beautiful sort of soft green and blue colors. And right um, in front is a crack in the bowl that is filled with gold. And it represents an art form. It's a Japanese art form um, of repairing broken pottery with lacquered, um, dusted gold that's called um, kintsugi. And it's not only art, it's very symbolic. And the feeling is that when tragedy and horrible things happen to us, um, we may feel broken, um, but we continue on, and it's the cracks um, that make us who we are, and as we develop and move on in life, it's the cracks that make us even more beautiful. I love it. Okay, so it sounds it sounds like you're someone that a couple who has just suffered a miscarriage want to meet. That's for sure. So let's start with this. You've seen so many couples. Most couples, when they come, you say you ask what they're worried about. Now, Dr. Shaheen, what are the most common worries 
because I'm sure our listeners have some. What are some of the common worries that couples bring? Sure. Um, It always centers around what am I doing wrong? Um, So for women, they're worried about stress causing the miscarriage. They're worried about their body rejecting the pregnancy. They're worried that their their immune system is off. Their body isn't baby-friendly. Um, the male partner, um, is worried that they're, you know, they're watching their partner go through not only the physical struggle of having a miscarriage, but the emotional loss as well. And they're feeling lost and, um, usually angry and frustrated. It's an absolute grieving process. And Mm. at the heart, it's a worry that there's something that can't be fixed. For sure. And I think that you you pick up something that I've, of course, seen, and that is how different men and women are in face of loss and how different they grieve. And how I think uh, after the miscarriage I had many, many years ago, I never wanted to stop talking about it. That was the last thing mm. my husband wanted to do. So, I mean, I, I really think the couples struggle very often. Now, one thing that would have helped me is knowing the common causes of miscarriage. Maybe you could just give us a brief sort of sense about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that one of the most important things that I do for patients is do a standard evaluation and try to see if there's something that we can find that could be causing the losses. And um, most Society of Reproductive Medicine in America and Europe most agree on a lot of the same tests, and they really center on um, anatomical issues. Um, So if there's any issue within the uterus that might be causing it difficult for an embryo to implant, we can discover that through evaluation. Um, Looking for any hormonal disorders, um, such as thyroid disease, um, diabetes, um, high prolactin. Um, also looking for, uh, there's one genetic issue that is very rare, but it's a blood test that's done in both uh, the female and male partner, looking for something called a balanced translocation. And it's a gen- genetic issue that um, a person can be born with and it will not affect their own health. Um, but it can put them at a higher chance of having miscarriages when they're ready to start their family. Um, and then we do look for one specific immune issue um, that can also affect uh, blood clotting issues. It's called antiphospholipid syndrome, and it's looking for um, blood tests and the history that would give that diagnosis. Um, now, so that's interesting. At- just just on that one, as I've been speaking to people about this, Dr. Shaheen, one person said we were talking about the importance of finding the right doctor, finding someone like you. We just don't want to go to someone who says, relax, go home and try again. In this case, her friend um, had two miscarriages very late in the pregnancy. And the doctor told her try again, but she decided to go get another consult. And that person picked up the APS syndrome. And with the use of um, heparin, she went on because there's obviously a clotting problem that always occurred in the, you certainly can say it better, in the um, final trimester. Um, she went on to have two children, but we mm-hmm. it becomes really important to realize you need to be with um, physicians who really have specialties in this reproductive medicine. Right, and, um, and I think uh, you brought up a couple of really important points with that in that um, the whole point of this book, too, is to empower patients and to give them the knowledge to be able to ask questions. And there are so many people that are very worried that it's their body rejecting the pregnancy and that there is an underlying immune issue or blood clotting issue. But that's actually not very common. Um, And it really ties into, you know, the woman's feelings of guilt. And so um, on the opposite spectrum, sometimes I feel like providers... Um, or patients are a little bit 
quick to jump to that, and any mm-hmm. intervention carries some sort of risk. And so it's important to find somebody that is um, experienced and knowledgeable and can look at the big picture, uh, both pros and cons of interventions. Well, one thing that you mentioned that also would have helped me is when you said that the most common cause for first trimester miscarriage is really with the embryo and the chromosome imbalance or something not quite right. It was nature's way of sort of taking care of something that was not going to really develop in a healthy way. Is that so? That's exactly right. And the majority of the conversations I have with couples after we've done the testing, 50% of the time, we do not find an issue with the uterus or hormonal issues or a genetic issue with the couple because the most common cause of miscarriage is a genetic issue within the embryo. And it's unique to each pregnancy. And you can't find a problem with either parent um, if that's the reason that the couple is having a miscarriage. And it's a huge shift to convince patients to think this way, but I at least bring it up and I try to explain, listen, if we don't find a reason, the most likely reason is that this was not a perfect embryo. Not every embryo is going to be a baby. And if anything, your body is actually working. Your body is realizing this is not going to be a healthy pregnancy and you are working. You are not broken. That is such a different perspective and such a relieving perspective. I think at one point, and I put this in quotes, you say something like, with respect to that, miscarriage is common, but so is having a baby. Well, (laughs) you know, yeah. Um, you talk about uh, human reproduction being not so efficient, and we have to re- sort of respect and recognize this cycle is going to happen many, many times, and if the embryo is not going to hold, it's certainly for the best that it didn't. Right, and I feel like in the era of, you know, Dr. Internet and our impatience with wanting things right now, there's a real tendency to assume very quickly that something's wrong when someone's had um, one loss or two losses. And it's very important to, you know, think through things and ask questions and make sure you're not missing anything. But it really is so much more common than we realize. Most miscarriages happen before people are showing um, or before they've told anyone. And even as a physician, I've told women for years and years and years, oh, you know, everything looks good, but make sure you don't tell anybody until after the first trimester. And that just plays into the point, number one, that a lot of pregnancies will not continue past the first trimester, but number two, well, you certainly don't want to tell anybody about it because it's just too painful, and it's just feeding the cycle of shame and guilt and um, not the way I'd like the conversation to go. Right. It's difficult in this culture where people know the, the first moment that they're pregnant, and in the second moment, they know the sex of the baby. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but it's yeah. it's, very, it's very very well said. One one question that a number of patients have raised with me, sort of uh, kind of backhanded when they're were thinking of having um, a child, is whether diabetes makes them more likely to miscarry. And I I wanted I wanted your input on that. Sure. Um, One clarification is it's really uncontrolled diabetes um, that puts people at risk of miscarriage. It's the high blood sugars um, on a consistent basis in the beginning of a pregnancy when when the baby is forming. And um, if there's consistent high blood sugars, then the baby's heart can have difficulty forming and a pregnancy can stop developing because of a malformation just due to these high blood sugars. But if someone is a well-controlled diabetic, um, then they have 
they do not have a significantly higher risk of miscarriage than someone else who does not so, have diabetes. So great. So it's great for people to know the very fact that you're diabetic does not automatically make you put you at risk. It's that if you were not addressing it or it was out of control, that then the risk factors start to move up. Correct. Okay. You know, the uh, the other question that, of course, people uh, raise is there are the causes that are related to the female, and uh, we only have a little time, but maybe we can start talking about this in this section. What about the men? What is it, and is there anything about the men that contribute to the potential or increased likelihood of miscarriage? Um, yes, I believe so. We just don't have a lot of research and information on it. Um, this ties into, I mean, I, I devote a whole chapter to men, the other half, in my book on miscarriage, because I believe that they're so important. They're giving half of the genetic information, and if the most common cause of miscarriage is something genetic, then it makes sense that they have a huge role. But for eternity, anything having to do with family building or um, miscarriage you know, has always been the woman's fault. And as a society and where money is put into research in all things fertility and miscarriage-related, it's very much focused on women and what's wrong with women that is causing the miscarriage. Um, okay. The tide is turning a little bit. We're having more information than there are more tests for men. Um, and we're learning, especially just in the fertility world, a lot more about the effects of age on Dr. Um, Dr. Shaheen, and, and men. Dr. Shaheen, okay, before yes. I want people to hear that. So because we have to take a break, let's just hold that thought. Um, you're sure. listen- we're going to take a brief break. You're listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking about miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss with Dr. Laura Shaheen. She's the author of the new and important book, Not Broken, an approachable guide to miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be talking about the men. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking about miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. We're going to be talking about causes and do men play any part? We're here with Dr. Laura Shaheen. She's the author of Not Broken, An Approachable Guide to Miscarriage and Recurrent Pregnancy Loss. Dr. Shaheen, you I interrupted you. You were speaking about the possible impact of um, the male and all that he brings to the picture. Oh, absolutely. And I do believe it's a very important topic because it's so often ignored. And my point was that just in forever, anything to do with family building and um, miscarriage has always been the woman's fault. And so society focuses on that and we do that to ourselves. Um, But as uh, awareness is increasing and um, the understanding, especially of genetics, has gotten more and more even over the last few years. Finally, we're starting to pay a lot more attention to men and their role in fertility as well as miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let's distinguish between miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. Now, I'm someone who had a miscarriage before I had my children, my two sons, and then one when they were 8 and 10 years old and I was much older. So I don't know that what category I would be in, but let's, let's clarify that for our listeners. Miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. Absolutely. So miscarriage is the loss of a pregnancy before viability. Um, and in general, textbooks and um, certain journals will will differ a little bit in their definition, but most people will agree that uh, a loss certainly before 20 weeks gestation is considered um, a miscarriage and that most pregnancy losses do occur in the first trimester. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very common for a woman to have one miscarriage in her reproductive years. About one in four women will have at least one miscarriage. It does become less common to have more than one miscarriage, especially consecutively. So it's estimated that less than 5% of women will have two consecutive miscarriages and even less than 1% will have three And recurrent pregnancy loss for decades was defined as three or more consecutive miscarriages, and you'll still find that definition in a lot of textbooks. But in 2015, uh, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, who's really the... um, the the experts in uh, miscarriage and first trimester reproductive issues uh, put out a statement that said recurrent pregnancy loss is considered two or more clinical pregnancy losses, and they are very clear about a clinical pregnancy loss is something that's a little bit further along, something you can see on ultrasound or even have a Mm. tissue diagnosis. And they really changed the field, and there are a lot of providers that still won't initiate testing until after three, but really, they are able to, and ASRM, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, states that they really should start the evaluation after two. And the the reason is, is that someone's risk of a miscarriage after three is about the same as after two losses, and their argument is if you can find an issue, then maybe you can have an intervention and prevent that third loss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, and so it would be the case that you're saying now after two miscarriages, um, you would certainly be looking closely at what could have gone wrong. Yes. So I will see people and start the evaluation after two miscarriages. And one thing that's um, tough and no one in our field can agree with 100% 
is what to do with earlier pregnancy losses. So a clinical pregnancy loss is usually going to be after about six or maybe even eight weeks gestation. Mm -hmm. But home pregnancy tests are so sensitive that there are women who are testing early and they're having a positive pregnancy test, uh, maybe even getting, you know, blood draws at their doctor's office and saying, yes, you are pregnant, but then having a loss before you can see anything on ultrasound. And these are called biochemical pregnancy losses. And you feel that these are even more common than later miscarriages. And there's so much that we have to learn about them. So these are the these would never have been picked up years ago. They're the Correct. many the many um, times when it just wasn't going to hold. Now, in the case, I'm going to give you an example of someone who, uh, in at the end of the first trimester, the person had the miscarriage, and she had tremendous problems with the doctor's office. She did switch doctors getting the results of the testing that, in fact, show an embryo abnormality. But that should not be the case, right? Someone should be able to have that finding and those results without a whole battle. Oh, absolutely. Um, I believe in patients' rights, and they should have access to their medical records and have the information because it's reassuring when, you know, we say when you have information, we say in terms of a psychological a response after trauma, the more information you have, the more empowered you start to feel. Absolutely. And we do have the ability to test miscarriages for chromosomal issues or genetic issues. And I do find that when we get this information and the women can realize that it was a chromosomal issue, it was just uh, that was the cause of the miscarriage, it can provide so much comfort. Mm. Okay, thank you. Now, in your book, you you have a number of chapters on uh, lifestyle changes that can make a difference, and you even bring in Eastern and Western approaches. Let's talk a little bit about the lifestyle changes in a woman and then even in a man that might um, in some way reduce the risk of miscarriage. Sure, absolutely. I the the biggest summary is that the healthier you can be and the better you can take care of yourself emotionally and physically, the better chance you're going to have a healthy pregnancy. And it really stems from the fact that um because chromosomal issues or genetic issues are the most common cause of miscarriage, um, Western medicine's answer to that is really um, the ability to screen embryos before you get pregnant. So we have the ability to, through IVF, of testing embryos for genetic issues before someone conceives. Um, but that's a very interesting conversation to have with patients. You know, I see them, I evaluate them. 50% of the time, we don't really find an answer because we haven't tested the losses. They're seeing me after losses. And there's not a uterine issue. There's not an immune issue. And they're thinking about steps for moving forward. And I, my options are, all right, we could do IVF and screen the embryos, or you can just keep trying because the very next time you conceive with or without any intervention, a lot of times it's at least a 50 or 60% chance of a baby without anything from me. So if I had, um, if, yeah. if I have had um, a number of, let's say, three miscarriages, and mm-hmm. now I'm pretty sure that the next one will definitely be a miscarriage, A, that may not be true, and I may not have to go to IVF, which is um, in vitro fertilization? Correct. Okay. Um That is, you might not advise that. You might say, Sue, you really still have a chance to Mm -hmm. have a normal pregnancy. 
Yes, I know. I know. So, it, you know, there's a wonderful study that came out in the 90s out of Brigham, um, kind of the, the people at Harvard that really looked at what happens in subsequent pregnancies after they've identified women with recurrent pregnancy loss. And um, we'll never be able to recreate this study because now everybody gets interventions. Um, but these women had had, you know, they, they looked at their age and they looked at how many miscarriages they'd had and they just saw what happened with the next pregnancy. Um, that's all they did. And if someone was 40 years old and had had five miscarriages, the chance that the very next pregnancy was a baby was 50%. Wow. And it depends on the patient and how they interpret that. For some people, 50% sounds wonderful because they're coming at a 100% miscarriage rate when they see me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. other people hear, you know, 50% and they think, oh my gosh, that's so high. Is there anything I can do to prevent it? So it's a lot of counseling and educating and um, thinking through options. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's certainly the case that when you've suffered a miscarriage and certainly with repeated loss, you're starting to think, I'm sure it's a 100% chance I cannot do this. It will not happen. So it's wonderful to hear that even at 40, after five miscarriages, there's still a 50% chance. I guess that's part of, certainly that's one of the wonderful gifts of your book, that kind of information, but it also should be and we're going to be talking about finding a provider, should be the kind of information that the provider is really um, offering the couple that, that they're sitting with. Now, to would you say that the average provider is suggesting things like not too much caffeine, don't smoke weed, to, um, oh, sure. don't drink? Okay. Sure. So as uh, uh, no matter how people move on, whether they're going to do an intervention like in vitro fertilization or try naturally, um, I do talk about trying to improve lifestyle and things that can can be related to miscarriage and things that people do have control over and can really help are some of the things you mentioned. Um, smoking, uh, tobacco, absolutely should stop. Uh, smoking marijuana. Um, it's, you know, I'm out in Seattle, Washington, it's legal here and people are starting to feel more comfortable talking to me about what they're, what they're doing. And, and we have really honest conversations and, um, it's just important to think you're trying to get to your maximum health, um, eliminating alcohol or just very, very little, uh, the relationship between caffeine and miscarriage is really once you're pregnant, if you're having, over two and a half cups of coffee. And there's one study that says not just women, but also men, that when Mm. men have high caffeine intake, it can increase risk of miscarriage, which I think is interesting. Just one study, (laughs) but it's something to think about. Um, And weight. um, Yes, yes, go ahead. Are there there any studies that indicate that alcohol or heavy-duty exercise on the part of the man plays a part in sperm count? Um, heavy alcohol and um, obesity and age, um, their uh, marijuana, tobacco can all impact um, sperm parameters. Okay, all right. So it, that's it, that's a part not of it. A, sure. Go ahead. I was going to say that's an example of the man's role in this. Yes, they should try and be optimize their health as well. They are absolutely a part of this. Hmm. Now, they have told pregnant women forever not to eat shellfish like sushi or not to eat deli meat. Is there credence to holding back on that? Well, the whole scenario around that is that when you're pregnant, your immune system is lower than it ever is. Um, Progesterone is the pregnancy hormone, and it really helps us, you know, establish a pregnancy and hold on to a pregnancy. And when we have high levels of progesterone, our immune system is shut down. And so the whole concept around avoiding deli meats or sushi, um, raw cheese, it's anything, any food that has a high bacteria content. And the most of the time, it's just trying to protect the women because they're a much higher chance of getting food poisoning and just feeling awful. 
Mm. There are some bacteria that's associated with miscarriage, but the you know the majority of people that will be affected is just that they're going to get really sick and where they whereas if they weren't pregnant they could eat the same thing and their body can handle uh, the higher levels of bacteria. Okay. Now I want our listeners to know that you are also the co-author of, book, of a book on Eastern and Western approaches to fertility. It's called Planting the Seeds of Pregnancy, an Integrative Approach to Fertility Care. Now Maybe you could um, give us some examples um, of what what type of things in terms of traditional Chinese medicine or Eastern approaches have you actually seen make a difference? We, we only have a minute, but start us off with that, Dr. Shaheen, and then we'll come right back after the break. Oh, sure. Well, Eastern medicine is the ultimate preventative medicine. It's all about getting you as healthy as possible and getting you balanced so that in a fertility or a miscarriage scenario, you are at your optimal health and energy level and ready to conceive a healthy pregnancy. Okay. So the the idea is um, to enhance health rather than necessarily yes. to interact with disease. Okay, we're going to come back with some examples of that. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Laura Shaheen. She's the author of the important new book, Not Broken, an approachable guide to miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're talking today about miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. We're talking about getting information about options for reducing risk. And we're talking with Dr. Laura Shaheen. She's the author of the new book called Not Broken. And we were just talking. She's an expert in Eastern and Western medicine. I was asking her to give our listeners an example of something from Eastern medicine that might really be helpful. What would you say, Dr. Shaheen? 
Sure. I, I think one, you have to find the right provider. I have to find an Eastern provider that's interested in reproduction and um, women's health and, rep- and uh, miscarriage. But um, they really do, in general, a much better job at taking care of the whole person. Uh, Western medicine is very disease-oriented, and if something is broken, we're going to fix it. It's very much... Um, example, approach to high blood pressure. The Western medicine doctor will very often prescribe a pill, whereas an Eastern provider will focus on weight loss and uh, maybe use um, acupuncture and other means to try to increase balance. And I think for reproduction and miscarriage prevention, the focus on the whole person, um, decreasing stress, um, focusing on lifestyle factors, um, the beauty of acupuncture is it's absolutely not for everyone. Uh, if someone hates needles um, or it can be a burden, uh, there's extra cost, extra appointments. Um, but, if, but I have had many patients who truly find it's wonderful to take just 30 minutes to an hour once a week to be quiet, to be in a relaxed room. Um, they often feel refreshed and a significant decrease of stress after they leave their acupuncturist's office. Mm-hmm. And we also, we certainly know there's so much movement toward meditation, yoga, mindfulness as really good options for reducing stress. In fact, I'm hearing more and more couples going to yoga together, which I think is a really nice thing. There is, I know I observe it from the couples that I see, and I'm wondering, do you find that couples can really struggle, as we mentioned earlier, in the aftermath of a miscarriage, certainly recurrent pregnancy loss, and sometimes they really need a place, whether it's a group or I'm wondering the kind of things that you recommend when you see the couple struggling. Oh, absolutely. And you are right. The emotional impact of miscarriage and having difficulty completing your family is insurmountable. And um, really, truly, there's a sense of shame and guilt, and people have a hard time reaching out. But if they do, there is support there. One in eight couples are struggling to have their family in the United States. One in four couples will have a miscarriage. And I recommend everyone's different. So I recommend lots of things. Um, some people really just want to get the knowledge. Um, there's, you know, book lists um, can be really helpful. Individual counseling and couples counseling. Some people really like that one-on-one support. Um, You mentioned yoga for fertility. That's great if people like movement. And a wonderful patient-driven fertility and miscarriage uh, support network and website is called resolve.org. And anybody can log on to that and they can look up um, resources to read as well as there are many Resolve support groups that are free and they're throughout the country. In Seattle, we have at least five in the surrounding area. And um, you can find the Resolve group on the website and email the leader directly and talk to them about um, Mm. the group and whether it would be a good fit. Um, If there's not a Resolve group in your area, another good resource for group um, support can be hospitals, uh, especially children's and women's hospitals. They often have support groups for loss. And then churches so or other community um, support. And you don't necessarily have to have faith or have the same faith to ask and join a church group. You just, you just have to seek it out and, and ask. Mm. You know, one of the things that I've seen with many um, losses or traumatic events in people's lives is the need they have to hold it secret because they feel culpable or they feel shame when it really isn't their fault at all. It's a shock to people with miscarriage and even repeated miscarriages when they do decide to share it, how many other people they would have never known step up and go, oh yeah, that happened to me and that happened to me. That's more likely that women are going to do this. It's wonderful when men actually do this. But the holding of the secret Um, is stressful too and some people um, are so surprised and feel so much more validated that 
this is more common than people realize. Absolutely. So many of my patients have found that their own mothers have had <laughs> miscarriages and never mm. talked to them about it or other family members or close friends. And the sharing is really empowering. Um, you know, we the more we do it, the more we're going to become aware, and I hope that with knowledge there will be more research and information and, and understanding because I really hope that the conversation will change to a more um, supportive and empowering one away from isolation and, and guilt where it is now. Mm. Now, I know that um, our listeners may want this information. So if I were looking for a provider or someone who could help me if, if I've just suffered a miscarriage and I go into someone's office, Dr. Shaheen, what are the type of questions that I might ask that would help me know if I'm with someone who I think is going to work well with me and my spouse? That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think even before they get there and make the appointment, I think it's good to see if the provider does have an interest in recurrent miscarriage or miscarriage in general because a lot of primary care providers and even obstetricians um, and some specialists really don't focus on it. And so it might be uh, really good to ask around, look for a little bit of information online, or even just call the clinic directly and say, this is why I want to see the provider. Is this the right provider for me? Um, and then once you're in the office, I think it's important to ask um, questions about what their philosophy is and what tests they run and how are you going to get the, the information and the results on the test? Are we going to meet again? Um, and then if we don't find anything, because that's the most common scenario, uh, what would you do next? Are there any other interventions and you know, what do they have to offer um, those are all really good things to think about beforehand. And please, I always encourage people, write things down. Um, it's so easy to think you can remember things, and then you get in the office and um, you leave realizing, oh, shoot, I forgot to ask this one question. So I encourage right, the that. Other, the other thing you suggest, which I underscore also, is go with, your partner, if there is a partner, mm-hmm. go with that person um, so Absolutely. that you don't have to start repeating and trying to remember. And two heads are always better than one in these kind of situations. Um, yeah. Now, just before we run out of time, Dr. Shaheen, how could listeners find you and how could they, they um, order your book? Oh, thank you. Um, so I, I do have a website. It's my first and last name, laurashaheen.com. And then I really am trying to spread good knowledge and, um, and keep people informed on Twitter. So it's just Laura Shaheen. And then, of course, Instagram, um, just Dr. Shaheen. And my book right now is available in print at Amazon or on the Amazon Kindle. And um, you can find both of those at the Amazon website. Okay. Now, just to go back to providers for a moment, is there a site that listeners could go to? Let's say I'm on, uh, I'm in New York on Long Island, and I, I really am unhappy with whoever I've met. How is there a site I could go on to that would tell me about? Um, providers in this area whose specialty is more like yours in terms of reproductive health, um, yeah. high-risk pregnancies. Sure. So there's, oh my goodness, there's so many online reviews for physicians, but um, resolve.org that we just mentioned looking for support information, they have a list of doctors that focus on reproduction and fertility, and some of them will be focused on miscarriage. Um, the, another website that's very specific to reproductive endocrinologists or fertility providers, which usually are the people that focus on first trimester miscarriage, is something called fertilityiq.com. Um, they have a lot of very good content around reproduction, not specifically miscarriage, but reproduction, and they, um, you know, we'll evaluate and look at, at doctors, and it's really patient-driven. 
Um, some of the other sort of bigger name review sites um, don't have a lot of um, um, check, checks and balances, um, but mm-hmm. right now I, I would say Resolve or Fertility IQ would be two great resources. Is it the case, and I know it's one of the questions that you list in the book, that people who specialize um, in reproductive health and and, um, miscarriage, repeated um, recurrent pregnancy loss, are also the person that would stay with you and deliver your baby? Or is that, would you be referred to someone else in most cases? Well, reproductive endocrinologists like myself are um, obstetricians and gynecologists that have been focused on fertility. And most um, will focus on helping people conceive and helping them get through the first trimester. But most reproductive endocrinologists do not deliver babies anymore. Oh. Another type of specialist that sometimes focuses on uh, miscarriage are high-risk obstetricians, which are also called maternal fetal medicine doctors or perinatologists. Um, they will very often not only evaluate for a recurrent loss, but then sometimes carry somebody through the pregnancy, especially if it's a high-risk pregnancy. Great. So if I were to ask you for a take-home message, Dr. Shaheen, to all our listeners out there, what would you share? Oh, thanks. I would absolutely share, number one, that you're not alone. Miscarriage is so common And number two, it's absolutely not your fault. You are not broken. And find a provider and find a support system that will help you continue to try and to continue to meet your family goals. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for your book, your work. You really carry the gift of not only empowering through information, but the gift of hope. And I wanted our readers to know and our listeners to know this is just a glimpse of, of Dr. Shaheen's book. At one point, she says, out of difficulties grow miracles. There are beautiful quotes throughout the book. But in another place, she says, if you're going through hell, keep going. Churchill's <laughs> quote. So you really see your sense of humor and your sense that this is not easy, but there are miracles often at the end. I want to thank you again. Thank you so much, Suzanne. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. I want to thank my listeners Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone. It'll be sent to Dr. Shaheen. It will be on her site if she would like. It's also on the podcasts of Voiced America, Psych Up Live. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Mostly, until next week. Please take care. Thank you and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week.